Hello, this is Dr. Dan Guerra coming to you from Authentic Biochemistry Studios in the Inland Pacific Northwest. This is, of course, a continuation of our discussion of T regulatory cells, which I've been following very closely over the last couple of lectures. I want to get through some of this uh, highly technical um, deep dive information because remember, we're going to pull back out of this and we're going to get into a larger description of various kinds of disease states and associate them with human aging. But I've told you many times, I want to get through this technical information about T cells. Right now we're in T regulatory cells so that we have this as a foundation from which we can move forward. So this is the 16th of September, 2020. Again, Dr. Dan Guerra, and I'm doing this because I have nothing better to do. So let's get going. I was talking about CD4 T regulatory cells. Now there's a certain subclass called CD45 RA. Now CD45 RA is a protein tyrosine phosphatase receptor type C, which of course is a CD45 protein. It's encoded by the PTPRC gene. And basically it's an RA isoform and it's located on naive T cells making it a T-cell naivete marker. So you have FOXP3 CD4 positive T-cells, and they can basically be divided into three groups. Group one are the resting naive T-regs. Their protein signature is CD45RA FOXP3 low, and they're CD4 positive. Now these cells express low levels of CD25. They are cytotoxic T lymphocyte associated protein four. They, so they have CTLA4. And they have the interleukin seven receptor alpha chain also known as CD127. They are negative at this point of naivete for the nuclear protein KI67. And that of course is a cellular marker for proliferation. So basically these are naive Tregs and they have recently egressed from the thymus, not yet been activated in the periphery, and they possess very weak immunosuppressive activity. So they're not technically yet professional T regulatory cells. Now upon TCR stimulation, that's T cell receptor stimulation, the canonical receptor, they will proliferate, and then they'll differentiate into actual T regulatory cells. Group two, or fraction two of the T regulatory cells are activated so-called effector T regs. These are CD45 RA uh, negative. They are FOXP3 high CD4 positive cells. They express high levels of CD25, high levels of CTLA4, and they express the KI67. They also have the programmed cell death protein one or PD one. So any drugs that will modify the PD one locus will also allow for the um, active, these active T reg cells to be functional. So they have an active PD one. They also have a T cell immunoglobulin three or TIM three. They have the GITR, which we talked about quite extensively a couple of lectures ago. That's remember that's called the glucocorticoid induced TNF receptor of that subfamily. 
And they also had the first apoptosis signal receptor, which is known as FAS. They have interleukin-10 and TGF-beta and the chemokine receptor 4, that's CCR4. And they possess strong immunosuppressive activity. So they're professional Treg cells. And they are, of course, susceptible to apoptosis. That's why they have the FAS ligand. And they also have that PD-1 receptor, mediated response uh, in poise. They tend to increase in peripheral blood with age. Now, group 3 Tregs or fraction T, fraction 3 Tregs are actually basically non-Tregs. They are also CD4RA negative. They're FOXP3 low. Remember, that's a transcription factor, which is canonical for active uh, Tregs, but they're still CD4 positive. Now, these cells, this group 3, they actually produce inflammatory cytokines like interleukin-2. They also produce interferon gamma and or interleukin-17. They are basically pro-inflammatory cells without any immune suppressive activity. Yet they are still in that grouping of Tregs. So now you've got the three classes, okay, or three groups. So there are phenotypic markers which you can find in all these human Treg cells. CD25 high, this is always localized to the membrane. Those are activated T effectors in memory cells. They um, have the interleukin 2 receptor alpha chain, and that's important for Treg proliferation. FOXP3 is found in the nucleus because it's a transcription factor. They're also in activated Treg cells, and that's the 4CAD FOXP3 transcription factor. That's what FOXP3 is. And of course, it's necessary not only for the active form of Tregs, but for the development and function of them, because it's a transcription factor. It's going to turn on genes. It's going to turn on a panoply of genes that are going to allow these cells to become professional Tregs. Uh, there's CD127. Uh, when that's low and it's in the membrane, you also find that in activated cells. That's basically the interleukin-7 receptor alpha chain. Its expression is reduced or completely absent in normal effector Tregs. CD39, another membrane protein. You also find it in B cells, natural killer cells, and indeed antigen-presenting cells. So it's quite common. It provides for ATP hydrolysis, and together with the CD73, co-promotes adenosine production, which has a suppressive effect on T cells in general. The CD45RA I mentioned is a membrane protein. It's found in all leukocytes. It's a common leukocyte antigen isoform. It plays a role in the TCR single transduction cascade, and it also allows for identifying Treg subpopulations. CTLA-4, you've heard many times before in oncology lectures, it's a membrane and cytoplasmic protein. It's found in activated T cells. It is the cytotoxic T lymphocyte antigen 4, that's what CTLA-4 stands for. And of course, it regulates the suppressor activity of Tregs, as well as other T cells. The GIT-R, I told you about before, the corticoid-induced tumor necrosis factor receptor has a high surface expression on resting Tregs uh, and is found in the membrane, as I said. You can also find it in other activated T cells, B cells, and natural killer cells. Helios is, is a co-transcription factor. It's found in the nucleus, found in all T cells, and it regulates the expression of interleukin-2 in Tregs specifically. Another protein called LAG3, membrane protein activated. It's found in activated T cells and NKs. 
It's a lymphocyte activating gene three. That's why it's called lag three. And it's Treg suppressive function is regulated by lag three. Two more to go. The ICOS or ICOS is membrane localized, found in all activated T cells. It's the inducible co-stimulator and it maintains Treg survival and it's actually involved in Treg expansion and function when that occurs, so for cell division. Finally, the PD-1, which I know all of you have heard many of the oncology lectures, and you know that the program death ligand and program death receptor are targets uh, in T cells, right? So drugs which act as monoclonal antibodies to block the PD reception will therefore block program cell death and allow for T cell effector cells to function to kill tumors. I'm telling you here, maybe you haven't heard this before, that same ligand receptor processing is also on T regulatory cells. So if you activate T effector cells like TH1, TH2, TH17, you're also activating T regs. So the suppression is already kicked in when you use a monoclonal antibody to the program death ligand or to its receptor. So that, that's something maybe that's new to you that some of you. All right, now. Let's continue on this discussion. The more reliable identification of Tregs requires a combination of canonical plasma membrane proteins. These are going to be CD4, 25, 127, the nuclear associated FOXP3, and the specific markers linked to Treg function, which I've already mentioned to you. GitR, TGF beta, CD39, etc. So Tregs are basically a heterogeneous population, like all the T cells are. They do share common phenotypic markers like the CD25 and FOXP3 and CD127 low. And they all exhibit some suppressor, suppressor activity towards various types of immune cells. So you are familiar with, with this whole processing lineage because we've been talking about T cells for a long time. So you know that Tregs interact with and regulate the function of T cells and B cells as well as natural killer cells and even antigen-presenting cells, which I'm going to get into detail here in a moment. That allows for networked, complex immune regulation and control over the entire inflammatory process. So Tregs are really important. So Tregs suppress cell types by direct and indirect mechanisms. They can produce anti-inflammatory cytokines, which we've talked about before. Which ones are they? Get out your pen and paper, interleukin 10, 10 interleukin 35, and of course, TGF-beta. They affect T cells and they release perforin and granzyme, which damage the target T cell membrane. And that can lead to, for example, a T effector cell apoptosis. Tregs can sequester very high, what's known as bright expression of CD25, which is interleukin-2 receptor from the microenvironment. And because it can sequester interleukin-2, it can tank effector T-cell proliferation because interleukin-2 is a, is a stimulator of T-cell proliferation, the T-effector cell lineages. So interleukin-2 starvation also reduces natural killer cells from proliferating and exhibiting effector functions in general. And these natural killer cells can be directly affected by the Tregs as well in a membrane-bound TGF-beta-dependent manner because they have a receptor for it. Tregs target B cells, I've mentioned, and that's via the pdl one pd one interaction. 
and dendritic cells via both the CTLA-4 and the LAG-3 because they can interact with those cells directly. For example, the LAG-3 interacts with MHC class 2 on dendritic cell, and the CTLA-4 interacts with CD86 on the dendritic cell, especially when the dendritic cells are synthesizing kinurene, which is from tryptophan. Remember, that's via the indodioxygenase enzyme, and that's where CD80, CD86 are uh, active. That Treg CTLA-4 bound to CD86 activates the IDO enzyme, converting tryptophan to kinurene, which then blocks T effector cells. The Tregs also have a stimulatory CD39, CD73, which will convert ATP to adenosine, and adenosine, remember, will block T effector cell activity. So that's a very another very important strategy for Treg cells. This is all happening outside the cell, so extracellular, right? So again, uh, CD80, 86 expression induces upregulation of that IDO enzyme. So you need to know that. The expression of CD39 on Tregs mediates the conversion, as I said, of ATP to adenosine and also to AMP. And that both AMP and adenosine, uh, without that um, phosphoryl group, will reduce T effector proliferation and therefore function. Tregs can also force monocytes towards the M2 macrophage lineage, which of course are the non-inflammatory. Non-inflammatory macrophage lineage is the M2. Tregs are going to turn monocytes into the M2 macrophages because they're going to kick up the synthesis of CD206. And then those M2 macrophages are actually going to release the anti-inflammatory in leukin 10. So this is one, and the M2 macrophages also have CD163 expressing. So CD163, CD206 are both expressed on M2s. Those are markers for that lineage. Tregs regulate that, and therefore M2 macrophages turn on IL-10, which is, again, immunosuppressive, as I think you've heard before. Tregs also induce the suppressive phenotype in neutrophils. Yep, and they reduce the um, innate-like lymphocyte C2 lineage and the cytokine secretion from them. So Tregs will induce a suppressive phenotype in neutrophils, and they're also going to reduce the ILC2 cytokine secretion and, the, and, and, lack, and inhibit activation of ILC2s. And we talked about those recently being found in the brain, if you recall. So something published in PNAS in 2018, this is Volume 115, page 1883 to 88. Get a PNAS paper. Um, basically, what I'm telling you here is that T cell production decreases with age. The number of immunological cells in general um, will decrease the immune escape threshold, which means even though they're there, there will be immune escape because of the aging process and the diminishment of all lymphocytes. And disease incidence, uh, interestingly, uh, is correlated to this. Disease incidence in general, this is epidemiological data, increases with age. All of us are familiar with this, right? Clinicians as well as scientists. So this is a pro this is an overall process of overwhelming the immune system and that comes from that PNAS paper. So I want you to understand that's where we're coming from so far here. I also want you to know that the papers that we were we've been talking about 
This comes from Immunology Letters 2020. It was volume 226, page uh, 83. So I want you to know that that was where the earlier material I was just discussing uh, comes from. And so what we're going to do now is continue on with this process of this information. Um, oh, one more thing. I want to remind you one more paper. This was the Japanese journal, Nagoya Journal of Medis Medical Science. And some of the material I'm getting is from, again, volume 81, pages 1 to 18. That was published in 2019. Some of these papers, of course, are behind the paywall, and some of them are um, online free. And I'm sure you can figure that out with your uh, library uh, if you need to, need to take a closer look at those, right? All right, so here's a paper that's published in Intech Open. Now, this is a free journal, and these are primarily review articles. Um, your professor here is actually published in Intech Open. I've published papers on anxiety disorder, the biochemistry and uh, pathobiochemistry of anxiety disorder, as well as I've published on um, autism spectrum disorders in the Intech Open series and the review articles. This paper isn't by me. This paper is by Thomas and Ming. And this paper was published in May, on May 17, 2019. Uh, the DOI on that is 10.5772. And again, it's an Intech Open paper. Number is 86412. The title of it is Age-Related Thymic Atrophy Mechanisms and Outcomes. That's why we're here with it today, right? So understand that what I'm doing is I'm giving you this complete description, okay? I want you to understand what's happening with T cells, and I also want you to understand that aging plays a major role, right? So what did I just say? I told you that the overall lymphocytic population decreases with age, and associated with that, is an alteration of T regulatory cell populations as well as T effector cell populations, including those which are T memory. Now, we talked about that a couple of lectures ago. I'm going to get back into that now, but I just want to remind you that you need to listen to the last five lectures to be able to get the complete architectonic of this T lymphocyte discovery discussion on how it links to aging. Okay, because I'm always moving forward with new information. And so you have to be able to track the older material as well. Okay, now this is what this paper, uh, Intech Open Paper, talks about. It tells me that the thymus gland, of course, is primary central lymphoid organ. And what else can I tell you? It's involved, of course, in, in development and selection of T lymphocytes in general, because <laughs> that's why they're called T lymphocytes, because they're from the thymus. You also get an establishment of a central T-cell immune tolerance during that education of T-lymphocyte production in the thymus. And that involves two mechanisms. You get thymocyte negative selection, through which most self-autoreactive T-cells, of course, are removed or, or, or destroyed. But you also get the generation of the CD4-positive, single-positive CD4-SP, FOXP3 regulatory T-cell subclass. And they actually actually suppress self-reactive T-cell mediated reactions in the periphery, as, as we've been talking about. But I just want to know even the naive cells can carry out that function. Hypothetically, for sure, Tregs partially compensate for imperfections in negative selection. Because they allow, because this isn't a perfect system, 
because there are some self-reactive T cells that escape and they would be uh, auto-reactive and they're going to be, um, they would normally be eliminated via clonal elimination, but they escape. So these naive Tregs are probably working to control their functional activation because some of them are released. And there's some discussion evolutionarily and also pathobiologically why the thymus is a little leaky and letting some self-reactive T cells out. We'll get into that later when I do my whole diabetic ontological perspective, which is coming. It's going to be a great, grand video lecture. It's coming up soon, probably, probably within two weeks. Now, continuing on with the aging discussion, as part of the aging process, the thymus undergoes what's known as a progressive involution, which is a fancy way of saying atrophy. And that results in a functional decline and greatly diminished production of all naive T-cell output. Now, there is a theoretical hypothesis about why you get this age-related diminishment of what's known as thymopoiesis, right? The production of T-cells from the thymus. And uh, the hypothesis is twofold. First, there's this notion of a hemopoietic defect. This stems from the observations that there are, of course, reduced numbers of hemopoietic stem cells, or HSC, progenitors. And this produced, of course, in the bone marrow with age. So you get a reduced number of those hemopoietic stem cells, HCS progenitors, in the bone marrow, and that that actually does decrease with age as well. That could cause a reduction, indeed, in early T-cell progenitors, or ETPs, from entering the thymus, because remember, everything starts in the bone marrow and some of the cells are shuttled to the thymus and they become the T cells. The ones that are only dealt with that development differentiation of bone marrow become the so-called B cells. Remember, B and T differentiation is why they're called it. Now, the second idea hypothesis about age-related diminishment of thymopoiesis is the following. It's the notion of a non-hemopoietic defect, which might suggest a primary age-related atrophy of the thymus, and it's derived from those HSC niche cells, okay? So remember, those are, hematic, those are the stem cells, hematopoietic uh, stem cells, that's what HSCs are, okay? So you also get a diminishment of thymic stromal cells. The myriad of changes that characterize thymic atrophy, therefore, first occurs within the thymus niche and extends then to early T-cell progenitors, and that's a result of aging. And these authors that wrote the review article think that there's a substantial age-related change in thymic microstructure and indeed, of course, the microenvironment. And that might provide important thymic factors which could contribute to a more heavily to a diminished thymopoiesis, which of course you always observe in the elderly. All right, so let's get on to this discussion here in a little bit more detail. We're I'm watching my time here. We got a couple more minutes. I'm going to try to finish this. Okay, so as a theoretical cause of age-related diminishment of thymopoiesis, right? First, the notion of the hemopoietic effect, and that stems from the observation of reduced numbers of the hemopoietic stem cell progenitors. Second is the notion of the non-hemopoietic effect, 
And as I said, that's just some kind of primary age-related atrophy of the thymus itself. So self-reactive immune responses are elevated in the elderly. And that's the result of what's known as infla imaging. Okay. And infla, no, excuse me, infla, inflama aging, inflama aging. And that is a chronic, low grade, systemic pro inflammatory phenotype. And it occurs in the absence of acute infection, but occurs during chronic low grade infection. So again, that's called inflama aging. Okay. It looks like inflama imaging, but it's inflama aging in the literature. It's one word. So that self-reactive immune response is elevated in the elderly called inflama aging. Low-grade systemic pro-inflammatory phenotype in the absence of acute infection. There's also immunosenescence. Now, immunosenescence is treated as synonymous with immune insufficiency. Remember, senescence is cell cell aging and death finally, resulting in a more random infection and, of course, even a reduced vex, vaccine immune response and, of course, a reduced tumor surveillance. These are all now bringing into a discussion of what is comorbid in the elderly. You have immunosenescence coupled with inflama aging. Those two mechanisms are contributing to increase in random infections reduced vaccine-associated immune responses, even from earlier vaccines, reduced tumor surveillance, and yet you can be poised for hyperinflammation once there is a triggering response, like a new etiologic agent, like a pathogen or parasite, um, or just a pathological agent, like a virus. And it also poises this immunosenescence and immuno... Uh, inflammo-aging are both pathophysiological, so you can get hyperinflammation induction from that poise. You can also get autoimmune disease, right? So that's a really key feature. This is now finally hitting home here about why I wanted to get to this point of this lecture. In the aging then, you get immunosenescence. And again, this is because of an overall decrease in thymic production, and then peripheral ability to activate T lymphocytes, as well as um, a decrease in T lymphocyte functioning. So not just in the proliferation of T lymphocytes, but in their function because of the alteration of the expression of transcription factors, growth factors, and cytokines. Cytokines acting as growth factors often, as we just were mentioning there, like within interleukin-2. Also, the sequestration hypothesis of interleukin-2 tanking T effector cell activation because of Tregs. So overall, as you age, you get more Treg cells, but some of those Treg cells themselves are not very good suppressor cells, or they can actually convert into pro-inflammatory cells. So while you have a overall immunosuppression as you age because of this immunosenescence and immunoaging going on, you also are poised to have a hyperimmune response coupled with the potential for an autoimmune response. That's why people, when they get much older and they get a cold or they get a bacterial or viral pneumonia, that's why they're much more prone to high morbidity and mortality. 
because you get a hyperimmune response in a normal poise, a very low senescing immune response because of this induced activation starting from a Treg and T effector cell lineage, which can reactivate the transcription factors and all at once cause a great deal of pathobiology um, in their wake. All right, so I'm going to stop there. I think that's enough for our little uh, 30 minute uh, lecture today. Um, next time we're going to pick up on this. We're going to finish some Treg discussion and uh, eventually more T effector cells. And then I'm going to do the dye event ontology of T cell mediated senescent and aging in humans and do an overall video lecture on that as promised. Right now, this is Dr. Dan Guerra from Authentic Biochemistry on the 16th of September, 2020, saying bye for now.